there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome in to the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your football season is here, so I've just basically been running around like a chicken with my head cut off uh, for about a week now. Um, but today I'm very excited to be joined by a very special guest, Mirren Fader, um, who has written the book, um, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. Mirren, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, this has been something I've wanted to do for a while. Um, I was was happy that we were able to get it scheduled. I'm going to embarrass you right off the top because I have told you this privately that I think you're a great writer. Um, And so I was looking forward to this book. Um, I'm a fan. I read all of your stuff. So I have to embarrass you and say that off the top. They can't see me, but I'm turning bright red. Thank you so much. <laughs> and see, and that's the reason why I said it, because I knew that it would embarrass you. Um, and that I really it would appreciate you it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So um, typically, you guys, long-time listeners of the show, know that we usually have three segments on the show. We kind of start off with Coach Speak, um, where we go over something that a coach player or a talking head said, and then we, gave you, we give you kind of the straight-up breakdown of what you meant. This time, I'm going to completely change all of that, and I'm going to go a different way. Um, and I really just want to talk to Miran about the book. Um, there are a million things that I want to ask. Um, I would not have time to get to all of them because I need to be you know, cognizant of her time. But the very first question that I have for you, um, very basic, starting off on the bottom rung here, is what made you want to write this book? Yeah, I did a profile of Giannis and his youngest brother, Alex, for Bleacher Report, where I previously worked. And, you know, at the time he hadn't won his first MVP. And I just felt like the discussion of him was so much like, wow, look at this freak of nature. Look at his athleticism. Look at his body. But when I spent the day with him and his family for that story, the the things that fascinated me were so different from this athleticism narrative. I was like, he's so mentally tough. He's so nurturing. He's so caring. He's so kind and thoughtful. Like I want to explore these other nurturing sides of him. And I was just like, how do we know so little about this guy? Right? Like he's one of our biggest superstars. And at that time becoming a superstar. And I was just like, I don't know anything about him. So I wanted to try to like fill those gaps in. Yeah, and, and that's what it, it has been interesting, even in just kind of thinking about this and even obviously just watching him and his team just win the NBA championship is that he's someone that is clearly very recognizable um, and that obviously because of his name has great name recognition, right? You, you can't forget it. Um, but we actually don't know all that much about him. And so I feel like people have kind of made this story um, a narrative around him. So I guess that leads perfectly until something else I kind of wanted to talk to you about was, is where do you think that kind of revisionist history gets it wrong with Giannis and his story? Well, I think, first of all, there's just so little information about his childhood that people don't necessarily like 
know anything about the background other than like sold trinkets on the streets. So, you know, I think like the fact that he was undocumented and grew up essentially stateless and had to deal with a lot of racism and a lot of red tape as well to even get his papers like that is a major reason why he was unable to ascend to the highest teams in his own country, let alone ascending to the NBA. So I just think that part of his story, it is revisionist history because people don't acknowledge that it's not like people in Greece identified him as being very good and they were not grooming him for superstardom. And they only gave him his papers at the last minute because they saw and they realized that he would had a chance to go to the NBA. So I, I think you know, with Giannis, like, it's such an inspiring story. It's such a feel-good narrative that there's this tendency by people in media or just in general to say, look at this fairy tale. Look at this rags to riches story. Look at this American dream. But when you use those terms, it just glosses over the harsh realities and, and the deeper themes that, you know, have prevented him from ascending most of his life. Yeah, and when when you talk to people about those harsh realities and how all of that kind of came together, like what were people's feelings about that? Was there still like lingering anger? Like what what was kind of the feelings around all of that about the perception of how that all went? Well, I think there's two things. Like number one, there's a lot of Greek people that love Giannis that were coached him or friends with him or whatever, but that have so many blind spots you know, when it comes to like race and they just keep repeating, like, we don't have a problem with that in Greece. Like there's nothing wrong here. And they'll say, well, Giannis doesn't talk about it. So it must not be true. And, you know, the reason he doesn't, you know, uh, he's not, you know, as vocal as I guess other players has nothing to do with the reality of the situation. That's his choice. Um, but so I think just, um, yeah, like, I think, but there, there are definitely people that do get it, that do see the hypocrisy in it, right? Like the only reason why you treated Giannis with decency and, and respect in terms of giving him and his family the, the documentation they needed is because you could see that he had value as a basketball player. So I think that um, you can hold both of these two things at once, that there were like really kind people that helped him out and were awesome. And then people that also did not. Um, and both are true. Both are part of his story. Right. And I guess, you know, switching gears a little bit, I guess I'm trying to think of different ways to ask this because I really I'm assuming there are a lot is going to be the answer to this uh, to choose some. But what are what's an anecdote, anecdote or two that you came across kind of in researching and writing this book that made you go, OK, wow, that's actually true. That happened. Like, what are a couple of them? Mm, yeah. Um, the one. um well, the one thing that came to mind for me is one of the evictions, because um, I chart a lot of the evictions of, of the family and, and how difficult it was at times to sustain rent. And um, I found one of the landlords that told me that they gave them like up to, you know, six, seven, eight months grace um, for this family. And um, it was really cool learning about that because the person didn't want credit or like didn't want like a gold star. Like, yeah, I helped Giannis when he was 15 years old. But I do think that was important to note that there are a lot of faceless, nameless people that had a lot to do with helping them stay afloat um, and people whose names we'll never know. Um, and I really appreciated learning about that. Um, another anecdote was 
Giannis was so flash forward to when he's in America and he's still trying to like grapple his rookie year with his past and everything that he's gone through. And given that, you know, what we just talked about, about him being undocumented, he grew up with this like anxiety that at some point his parents could get deported. Like if the police stopped them or something, they'd be like, wow, you don't have your papers and then deport them. And so I think that once he got to Milwaukee, he was still distrustful of people for those very reasons. And so um, this Buck staffer came over to Giannis's apartment rookie year to help with the cable installation because Giannis didn't feel comfortable having this strange man uh, from the cable company come in and install it. And so long story short, it takes all day. The staffer gets really hungry. He goes into Giannis's pantry and he eats a couple of Giannis's Oreos. And he doesn't think anything of it, right? He's like, whatever, I'm hungry. I'm here, kind of poor. And then the next day at practice, Giannis is just like, hey, like, did you eat my Oreos? And the guy is like, um, you know, like, who, what do you say to that? <laughs> right. like, no. And then Giannis was just like, well, I noticed three were missing. And so it just really like, who does that? Right. But then right. it really, it really clicked with the staffer because like, of course, Giannis does that. Of course he counts his Oreos. He is so used to growing up without and having to go hungry at times that he always had to be cognizant of how much food was left. And, you know, it was just such a, um, a poignant anecdote that really showed like all that he's been through and how it's not just like you make the NBA and make millions of dollars and your life is fine. Like you're still adjusting to this newness. Right. And I think I also wonder, too, if in that moment that Buck staffer realized that, like, we'll never have to worry about Giannis and work ethic. Now, maybe they knew that before that moment in particular, but that would have cemented right. that. Right. It's still like right. you're just never, so so, yeah, it's someone that is never going to be satisfied. But that also hearing that story, the thing that I immediately also thought about about Giannis is the amount and I've talked about this on the show before about the amount that his body has changed in the time that mm-hmm. he but tsunami got to the NBA until now and like you have to have a certain drive to do that to go from what he looked like before to what he looks like now there has to be a drive there and now kind of hearing these stories you kind of get an even deeper appreciation for why he did that and where that comes from. Exactly. And that's why when people say things like, oh, like he doesn't have any skill, he just gets by on his God given gifts. Did you see his body (laughs) rookie year? He didn't get by on his God given gifts. He like worked like God given. Okay. Yes. God given that God gave you two more inches once you landed in the NBA, but like that muscle that like chiseled body is like him just not leaving the weight room and the irony of all of this is that you know through my reporting I learned that he learned how to weightlift as a rookie in Milwaukee the strength coach Robert Hackett had to teach him how to bench press how to hold the bar and it would just be like trembling you know like Mm. these days if you don't know how to weightlift by ninth grade people are like what's wrong with you right so (laughs) yeah so I mean it's just it's miraculous like we forget he's only 26 years old like he's still somewhat new to this yeah, which which is also a, a scary proposition, and people have been saying right. that for, for the NBA, and we've seen that kind of growth that even since the first MVP, he's continued to get better. Um, yeah. But I'm going to stay in that realm, though, because – and I, I can't picture – and this is weird to do on the fly, but as you were watching 
the playoff run and then seeing the finals, knowing that the book was complete and this book was going to come out. I, I'm trying to picture if I remember seeing you like live tweet Bucks games. I don't think you were. So I'm trying to think this will be the first time <laughs> I've get, gotten to know, like, what were you thinking? What was that like for you watching all of that unfold? Incredibly stressed. When he goes down with the injury, I'm losing my mind. I'm like pacing throughout my apartment. <laughs> like what is going on? Like I need him to be okay, you know? And then, they like miraculously get to the finals. I'm shocked, right? Because half the, like, like a good portion of the book is about the struggles of the Bucks, like the Milwaukee Bucks from like a historical standpoint. Like I grounded the book in this history of like basketball can't work in Milwaukee. That's what people said from the beginning. Oh, they'll never land another superstar like Kareem. So I include all this history to show how awesome it is that they finally get a guy like Giannis But then throughout the playoffs, they like do something that I never thought was humanly possible. And I'm like, shit, the book was due in March. You know, I can't add on. And so um, I cried when they won. I know that's not cool to say. It's fine. It's fine. I know we're supposed to be. Sports are emotional, though. You know, like I just was just like so happy for him because he worked so hard for this. And I was just. You know, because I spent so much time learning about um, just really tough times that he went through. And it's it's just so cool to see anyone who you, you know, observe like that succeed. And it was just so cool. But, yeah, I was so stressed whenever they would do something stupid, like keep launching threes when they're all bricking. I would be angry. And I'm like not supposed to be like that. You know, I'm right. not cheering in the press box, but I'd be angry. I'm just like, what are you doing? Go to the basket. So. Yeah. That's, okay, good. I am glad that that was kind of the reaction. And now, though, I understand why you were not live tweeting Bucks games then uh, because you were going through it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how thing. I don't know how all of you do this. Like, I can't pay attention and say something funny and like look at what others are doing. Like, I just can't. It's actually one of the weirdest things. And it's funny because for our, for Hale Varsity's like actual social account that has like, and we kind of cultivate this to have a personality and all of this. And basically Aaron Sorensen works on our team who was on last week um, uh, or two weeks ago is the one that does all of that. Like I could never do that. I honestly like, like, spoiler alert here, I don't even have the password to the Twitter account um, at work because I, I just couldn't do it. Um, so even doing like a, like little bit of live tweeting that I do during Nebraska games, it's not, it's hard to do. It's one of those things that, I, that fans don't realize is actually a lot harder to do than just like tweet out quippy observations, especially right. you get like kind of invested in what's happening. Like I'm having a breakdown over here. Like I cannot tweet something about this moment. I think one time I just said OMG. That was all I could muster. <laughs> I, said, I, I said OMG, and then and then people thought it was funny. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm done with this. <laughs> like I had my fill of life. I did. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You made it. Um. And so one of the things, and, and you mentioned this about the Bucks and kind of like their their franchise history is fascinating as well. Um. But then also because of that, and because of Giannis's rise. Um, through the ranks and him becoming a multi-time MVP and all of that now like did, did were you able to talk to Bucks fans um, during this process and what was it like for them because they've gone through a lot during this time seeing his rise kind of dreading whether he was going to leave or not like all of that so what was that like talking to Bucks fans 
Yeah, I love talking to Bucks fans. I talked with a lot of Bucks fans, and I was actually able to go to um, a game against the Thunder in late February 2020, like right before the world shut down, and just like ask everyone, like, is he staying? Is he going? And um, so it was good to like do that in person, you know, before that option kind of like changed out after that. Um, I think Bucks fans like really vacillated between like utter denial, like, of course he's not leaving, to like, complete panic like oh my god I think he might really leave to like just so much confidence like he's loyal to us it won't happen but like everyone was freaking out inside and it was really nice to talk with them before he made the decision and after Mm -hmm. to learn about the nerves before and the just utter jubilation after because it's like something you like all of them remember exactly where they were when Giannis resigned. It's like a, a cultural moment, you know, and it's something that like, this has been a decades old wound in the city of Milwaukee when Kareem left. Um, the generational player just never stays. It's, it's always like getting the short end of the stick, being underestimated because you're a Rust Belt city or what have you just look being looked down upon. And you know, they feel so seen and respected and dignified by Giannis, affirming that they are awesome and that their city is awesome. And he did that even before he won the championship. Right. And so I just think to then win it again, like I never thought this would ever happen. And neither did any Bucks fan. <laughs> <laughs> they, they told me this is what the mindset is, Miran. It's called hopeful worry. We're going to have hope, but we're going to be stressing because the Bucks might Bucks. And then they finally didn't. <laughs> yeah, which, which is good for them. And it's, a, it's so weird because even as you explain that and like the people um, that have been around this podcast, you guys know this, that I am a huge Lakers fan. Lakers are my like number one team, period. I would choose the Lakers winning a championship over a, a weird number of things in my life. So like... But because of that, I'm always on the opposite end of this, right? So, like, I had talked myself into Giannis coming to the Lakers and playing with AD <laughs> on somehow. Um, I wish people could see the look you just gave me. Um, it's so, like, <laughs> I'm from LA. I'm from LA. I'm okay, okay, that works. See, that works. So, <laughs> like, so, and so you get it. So, like, even, but even with that being said, there is still a part of me that likes to see these guys stick around with that mm-hmm. team that drafted them and then be able to, and then in this case, win one um, for that city. And especially cities like Milwaukee, where it's not somewhere where like people are lining up to go voluntarily. And yeah. so because of that, though, when someone does well and they put the city on the map, I think people can also then learn about that city and learn that, OK, this place is actually pretty nice. Like you can actually do stuff here. Um, and I think that the impact that Giannis has on that city and the tie that he has with them is actually a really special thing, despite wanting to steal him from the Lakers. <laughs> I feel that, um, especially when Postus was there. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, keep in mind that he also saved the franchise of Milwaukee from leaving the city. You know, when, when the Sonics left Seattle, it was like, Oh, Milwaukee could be next, you know, Adam Silver, right before Giannis got drafted, he said, you need a modern day arena. The Bradley center, which is where the bucks were playing was not a modern day arena. So the bucks were since like the eighties, the nineties, they were always threatening to leave. Um, So Giannis really has not just won them a championship, but he has saved the franchise from leaving the city of Milwaukee. And I don't think that's talked about enough. 
No, definitely. And it's actually weird because I'm from, I'm originally from Chicago. Um, and so I've been to Milwaukee a bunch and I've been there since they kind of with the arena and all that. It's actually pretty interesting um, right. about how that all kind of came to be. And like you said, with the potential of them having um, to, to leave and all of that. Um, and now it just becomes like a rotation of like any other struggling franchise is the team that <laughs> could end up going to Seattle. And so you always kind of feel bad because it's always the same couple of teams. Um, at this point now it won't be the bucks but yeah it's always kind of weird um how that kind of goes in cycles right yeah i never thought about that that's so true yeah that is that is really interesting so Marin, um thank you again so much uh for being on the pod um this is a very informative conversation i want you guys to make sure um that you know that the book um Giannis, the improbable rise of an nba mvp um, it comes out on August 10th. Um, you can pre-order it anywhere that you pre-order books. Um, I actually have it pre-ordered on Amazon. It will be delivered. Um, so go ahead and do that. Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave us four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and no one wants that. Uh, make sure you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Prep Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also, make sure you're checking out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. You can find me on Twitter at GregSmithHB, at Mirren Fader. It's just her name. She was smart to actually just lock down her name. Um, <laughs> you can email the show at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com. I will catch you guys next week. A Media Production.